Mike Kiss Army. Welcome to the Kiss FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today. Nothing is into your head. I hope you don't do any damage. This is a Kiss-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy. Welcome to the Kiss FAQ Podcast. I'm your host today, Julian Gill, and I am joined by bag boy, Alex. Glad you got home from work in time. And we've got a special guest today, Ken Radinas, who uh, many of you, you may know on the Kiss FAQ message board and elsewhere. Ken, what's your user handle? Picks and sticks. There you go. And that should give you a little bit of a hint of why Ken is on the show today and what we're going to be talking about. Uh, but before we get into the topic at hand, Ken, I want to put you through the inquisition that we put every new face on this show through. And uh, that is uh, the 90,000-foot view of your personal history. What was your Ed Sullivan moment that uh, first drew your attention to the KISS, uh, to KISS, rather than, uh, say, getting interested in the Bay City Rollers? I'm going to blame that one on my brother. My older brother, he was, uh, I was in junior high school, and he was in high school, and um, he brought home Destroyer. He said, I got this new record, and he put it on, and... uh, you know, we all right. We all know the intro that starts the car and the radio comes on is the news blurb. And we're like trying to decipher this thing. And then, you know, those opening chords to Detroit Rock City and just every song just keeps getting better. You know, King of the Nighttime World, God of Thunder, Shout It Out Loud. Do you love me? I was like, this is great. And then I start looking at the album cover and I'm like, What's this all? What's this cartoon all about? He goes, well, that's how they dress. And it was just like, this is the band for me. So literally, that, that that's how I discovered Kiss. My brother brought home Destroyer, and we both played it for the first time. And Was that yeah, in 1976 so- itself? And then did you watch the Paul Lind Halloween special? No, it would have been in 77 that this happened. And I missed the Paul Lynn special. All right. So let's play some favorites here. You know, what was, obviously you've already answered the question of what your first Kiss album was. Do you have a favorite Kiss album? The one that you turn to when you're in the mood for some Kiss, you just seem to always gravitate to this album in particular. Do live albums count? Any album you want. If it's got Kiss's logo on it, you can pick Kiss icons if you wish. For me... This may be a, a strange answer, but MTV Unplugged mm. for me. And I think, um, you know, two reasons. One, you know, as Paul says, that night the music does the talking. And, you know, Eric, I, I think the finest performance Eric has ever played with the band. I mean, he, he didn't overplay. He was just spot on. I, I thought Eric made the show. And then the other part of it is, obviously, it started the hype for the reunion. And what's better than Kiss? Well, six members of kiss on stage at the same time so for me you know i thought it was a great collection of songs i thought uh, there's just powerful performance you got six members of kiss it started all the hype for the reunion so for me i got to go with mtv unplugged and i'm hoping i'm hoping on the cruise they they invite bruce up for a couple at least a couple songs, so we can, for a couple songs, have a similar type moment and, and get five members of Kiss on stage. 
Yeah, you know, on the cruise, if Bruce could teach uh, Tommy Thayer how to play the guitar solo to hide your heart and unholy properly, I think that would be a win for all fans. But, you know, being being serious, you know, getting Bruce up on stage with them would be absolutely fantastic. And you know what? I, to me, it would be a crime if they don't. So we, we give a lot of love to MTV Unplugged on this show. It seems to be a, one of those albums that was just one of those perfect moments in time, perfectly executed, beautifully filmed and recorded. And the performance, um, the rock and roll over stage, and, yeah, you know, the backdrops, the big, the big yellow logo with the purple whites and the, the, and the mannequins up top. Yeah, you can't beat it. You can't. So, last question in the Inquisition is: What flavor of Kool-Aid do you drink? Do you have a favorite member of the band? I don't. Um, I have a least favorite member, but I don't have a favorite member. To me, right, I, I support you know all eras of, of Kiss, and it takes four guys to, to make the show and, and to make all those records. So to me, they're all equally important. Um, I, I'm not a huge Mark St. John fan, nothing against him personally by any means. In fact, he's a sweetheart. I've got a, a story about that maybe we can get into later, but... Um, just, I just don't think his style ever really was going to, to fit in with Kiss and, and work with Kiss. And, you know, his history isn't very long, you know, shuffling back and forth between Gene and Paul Studios for the one album and, and really only played, what, one full show and two half shows. So just not a lot of history there. So I would put him least favorite just simply because he had the least impact over the history. Yep. That makes sense. But it's nothing against him him personally no absolutely unfortunately he's little more than a speed bump along the long road that is history the long highway more appropriately okay so let's get into today's topic and you know we brought you on the show for a reason and that's for many many years now you've actually run a subsite on the kiss faq picks.kissfaq.com picks and sticks hence your <laughs> your username alex why don't you take over and uh, explain why we're talking with ken about this today so it's pretty cool. Um, I actually got in touch with Ken. Uh, I was, I, myself was looking for a Vinnie Vincent guitar pick and was just seeing what was the best avenue to go with. And of course, uh, you know, you always, I'm a history education major and, you know, you always want to go to the best source you can find. And, and Ken with his site is definitely the, uh, the most comprehensive source for guitar picks um, that anybody's looking for. And in fact, we'll get we'll get into some discussion on some pretty cool ones, including uh, an elusive asylum pick that uh, Ken was able to to, uh, to to figure out and find and so forth. That's why he's the uh, the comprehensive and the ultimate source. Uh, so we got in touch, and uh, so it's been a couple months kind of in the making, and so uh, it just worked out. And so I guess really, you know, the big thing, cause, I mean, as Kiss fans, I think everybody knows. We could collect anything and everything from bootleg videos to T-shirts. I think, Julian, you had, what, 40, 50 copies of Kiss Alive, you know. There's always different uh, different things we can, of the course, vinyl, the toys, you know, exactly. the Lego dolls, the pinball machines. Yeah, everybody's, everybody's got their niche. Exactly. And so I guess with Ken, what what got you into, into getting into Kiss picks? It's an interesting story, actually. Um, well, of course, obviously, huge Kiss fan, of course. Um, you know, I live uh, now in Cincinnati, and in 95, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame opened up in Cleveland. 
And that's only about a four and a half hour drive. And so I went up there I was like, well, this is cool. You know, a museum dedicated to rock and roll. I got to go see this. Now, of course, remember, this is 95. So we don't have Internet and Google. We don't know all the behind the scenes, Jan Winter politics or, or any of that. This, And of course, they've only had one or two induction ceremonies at that point. And so, you know, you of course, you've got the Beatles and Hendrix and Zeppelin, and Pink Floyd and Janis Joplin. But. There's not a lot else there. But of course, I didn't know any of that. So I drive up there and I've got to see this museum and, and see all this. And I'm walking through the museum and there's no Kiss anywhere. I was like mortified. I was like, how can Kiss not be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? I was just, I could, I just, it just was beyond belief to me, right? Because that's my world, right? Since I was 13 years old, Kiss was it for me. And so um, there was one display that really struck me, though. It was a fan-made display. There was a guy named Peter Lavenger who was a kid in New York that would go into the city, and he would go to, like, Madison Square Garden or the Palladium or Nassau Coliseum, and he would try and, you know, get to the loading areas and, and try and get these musicians and try and get a stick and if he could get an autograph. So there's this entire huge wheel of drumsticks wow. that, that he's collected. And he had thousands of them. And But I walked away from it thinking, well, Kiss isn't in here. And here's something cool that this Peter Lavender guy did. Hmm, maybe there's something I could do. Maybe I could, because I had started collecting picks uh, in the 80s. So I had some. I didn't realize how big it was, but I had some. But my thought was, well, maybe I can put something together as a fan submission, like this Peter Lavender guy did, and get a, get Kiss in there that way, right? If if they're not going to put him in, and Gene and Paul aren't going to donate stuff, maybe I can do something. And that's really how it sort of started. Um, so naturally, I started to to set about figuring out, uh, you know, I've got to build up my collection. Now, you have to remember again. This is still mid-90s, so internet is just starting to come together. And, you know, prior to that, you just didn't know what was out there. If you were collecting in the 80s, the only way that you could communicate and find other collectors is you would buy music magazines. And we would take out classified ads in the back of the thing saying, hey, I collect guitar picks. Here's my phone number. Call me. And so you would have a telephone cover. You'd call somebody up. You didn't have to worry about fakes and bootlegs back then because, you know, signature picks only really came into vogue in the, in the 70s. So by then, there weren't any bootlegs and you didn't have Internet. So people didn't know what they looked like. And so people would call up and you would call. Trades took forever because if you wanted to see what the other guy had, you had to take a picture. And back then, you didn't have cell phones and digital cameras so you got to take a picture you got to get the roll of film developed you have to snail mail your pictures to the other side you know so a trade could take like three months to materialize right because you didn't want to you didn't want to speed through your roll of film you know it was crazy a crazy time but um you know i started doing research right around there 96, 97, I think, is when AOL started to come out. You know, remember with the old dial-up with the 
64k baud yep. rate or whatever it was, but that was all you had. And um, so started uh, on AOL, and I ran across a guy. We're still friends today. His name's Brian Bouchard. He was in Texas at the time. He was serving in the military. He's in Maryland now. Um, and Brian had started an AOL page called Brian's Kiss Pits. I was like, this is cool. Now I can start, you know, looking at some stuff that he's got that I don't have. And then I started sharing pictures of stuff that I had with him. And um, so we would kind of go back and forth. And so I would send him some photos and he would add them into his. And he just got to a point where, you know, he wanted to start a family. And it just, you know, I had a real passion for it. And he just didn't have it. He couldn't update it as fast, fast enough. I mean, I would be out networking and finding all this information. And he just and finally he said, you know, what, Ken, just take it. Just I'm going to send you the I'm going to send you the, the page. Just take it. And so, uh, so I did, and then now I've said, okay, well, great. I don't know anything about web development. I've got to learn HTML. <laughs> so, you know, I started to customize it, and I just changed it to Ken's Kiss Picks, right? How clever. <laughs> but at least now I had control of it, and I could update it as, as quickly as I wanted. And then about 98, 99, I get an email from uh, Mike Granville. <laughs> yeah, I knew we were going to go there. I've even and got a, a Mike Granville pick. <laughs> nice. The new Got Ilk pick, right. So um, I get an email from Mike Granville and says, hey, you know, I'm the webmaster for the new uh, KISS official website, KISS Online, and I've seen what you're, you're doing there. It's really cool, and I would love to bring that into to kiss online and i said you know hey i'm flattered but i i had figured out at that point gene and paul control everything and i said look i'm really flattered but my concern is you know uh, i don't want i don't know where this is going yet because as i started to unturn rocks i just realized that the universe was getting bigger and bigger and bigger and i said i just don't want to have thumb screws put on me so thanks but no thanks <laughs> so he came back to me said no 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 he said look we're we run it for him he said you will have full editorial control he said look i only have two he said i only have two rules one is don't post links that take people out of the site right because you're trying to drive traffic in it's like okay well that's fine i don't i wasn't putting links anyway um, and the other was, look, if there's anything that you're concerned about, anything that's controversial, let me know, and I'll talk to the band. But otherwise, just assume everything's okay. So I said, mm, okay, let's give it a shot. And so, um, you know, started sending my files. He set up access for me to be able to directly, you know, do my own thing. And... Um, you know, he was the one that came up with the first version of the Picks and Sticks logo and actually named it Picks and Sticks. Yeah, and that was one of the things, um, just to interject, is obviously I was another one of the parties that was approached because at the time, and people may not realize this, when KISS wanted to do KISS Online, 
they obviously, you know, invited Mike to be webmaster and took the content that was Otaku uh, because of his experience there. They didn't take all of his content into there, but they approached Ken. They, I, I was approached by Mike to bring the Kiss FAQ in because of the discographies and a lot of that stuff. And, you know, a lot of the stuff that was part of the original FAQ back then, whatever it, uh, I was called, you know, we did discard because it didn't meet the band's... Um, uh, parameters, which is perfectly fine. Um, but but one of the things, you know, Mike was very supportive um, for me Absolutely. in bringing my material in. He said, you know, you, we don't need this before, and would always explain so. And um, the art department, the, I, whether it was him or people that, that were working on designing the site for them, did a great job with a lot of the, the logos that they came up for the FAQ part. So let's go back to where you were. So just wanted yeah, to interject no, I, that. I, I w- and I would I would agree with I would agree with all of that, um, but you know and that was sort of both um, both a blessing and a curse at the same time. Um, going to uh, to Kiss Online, we'll, we'll talk about that because you know prior you know Brian's site that that I inherited was pretty new and pretty basic and nobody you know it's not like Google nobody knew how to really get to it so a lot of people hadn't seen it. The only thing that had been in collector circles that had been published at all. Um, do you guys know Gary Kahn in Tennessee? Yep. Yeah. Did, did a so, fanzine, didn't he? Um, he did. Kissaholics. That's right. Right? So the only thing that was out there is around the time of the reunion, he had done a couple of spreads, but they were black and white and um, a lot of errors in it, you know, a lot of omissions and variations and, and those sorts of things. But it was it was a decent roadmap, right? I mean, if you think about, I guess, sort of, you know, Christopher Columbus comes to America and does some sort of a weird map that doesn't look anything like we know it to be today. But then Magellan circles the globe, and and now we have a crisp, you know, picture of all the continents. So you know, he was the Christopher Columbus, so to speak, and I was more like the the Magellan that followed afterwards. So I'm not I'm not dissing on Gary at the time. And again. That was still early 90s. You still didn't have the internet, so you didn't know what you didn't know. No, and, and none of the fanzines <laughs> would take offense at you saying that, because if you you look back through the fanzines, and I, I do recommend that fans nowadays pick up some copies of these early 90s or even the 80s fanzines, that these guys were doing all this work by hand, all these layouts, Absolutely. you know, cutting and pasting type. You know, the only time you'd see pics is when someone put one on the photocopier when they were doing their, their issue of a... That's it of a fanzine or they were doing discographies of what they knew i mean sherry and, and uh, tito custer poser you know doing the the big japanese discographies or certain fanzines back in the day you know these are the prehistoric people who you know gave us a foundation people like ken and myself who then built on those you know whether it was with the faq for discography or picks and sticks for for your these people we we salute without a doubt Absolutely. And, and look, it was an invaluable resource because he had some stuff in there that uh, wasn't in Brian's site and wasn't in my collection yet. So it gave me some things to to start to ask some questions and, and poke around. So, um, yeah. So thanks to Gary. Right. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, Kiss Online then became uh, it became sort of a double edged sword, you know, the, the the downside of it was people assumed because it was on their website that I either worked for the band 
And so I would get countless emails. Can you send me a pick? Uh, or that uh, the band would just hand me stuff, right? Because it was on their website, which isn't true. I mean, I had to, you know, fend for for everything uh, and still do, just like every other, you know, collector out there. I think I think Brandvold in the whole eight or nine years I was on there, I think he sent me one, not not counting the ones he did for the website because he did a, a set for Kiss Online, but not counting those. But I'm talking actual tour picks. He sent me like one Peter Chris one time. <laughs> and, um, he sent and me a Paul Stanley. <laughs> see? You got Paul Stanley? Yeah. At least he plays with a pick. Peter didn't even play with him. <laughs> and then um, you know, a few years ago, uh, just out of the blue, Keith LaRue said, hey, give me your address again. And, and he sent me a pair of sticks from the cruise, which was very nice. Jeez, that, that's really yeah. that's really generous. And, you know, Keith, is a, Keith is a classy guy, so that, yeah, that's a really nice nice. gesture. I, I've known Keith. I've known Keith. I was for for a really, really, really long time, and uh, yeah, it was very nice. And I think I ran into him one time on the 40th anniversary show, and and, and he gave me uh, two or three picks there. So, but besides that, I mean, I'm really sort of off the elf, just, just to find the stuff. So, you know, those were the, sort of the downsides. And you know, here's the thing, right? I I felt obligated because what would happen is the plus side of this course, obviously, now you get this huge exposure. And it did, in a sense, allow me to use it as a calling card. Because yeah. if people now think that, well, it's on the band's official site, so you must work for the band, it now gave me an opportunity to just go start and bludgeoning the, the stick companies and the pick companies to, for information, which were all dead ends. What I found out is nobody kept any records. They didn't think of keeping any records. But they didn't want to admit that they didn't keep any records. <laughs> of course not. So, you know, they would say, oh, well, you got to go talk to Doc McGee. He's the band's manager now. I was like, Doc doesn't know anything about guitar picks from 1978, you know? What, are you kidding me? He wasn't even there. So, uh, anyways, but it, it did allow me that. And then by having that exposure also, um, it, it opened up a whole new world to... Um, Past, past crew members yeah. because they, you know, if you worked for KISS for a significant period of, of time, you're still a fan of the band. You know, I mean, you know, that original KISS crew book that came out and, you know, things, did, you know, you get out of that a bad taste, things didn't end as well as they would have liked. But even today, despite all of that, they're still huge fans of the band. Oh, yeah, I and, think... Uh... Mike Rush did a post on one of the Kiss collectible sites of just some of the stuff he picked up over the years, and I remember he put like a picture, like a handful of like pairs of drumsticks, you know. He was Gene's bass tech, you know. Right. Yeah, and you know, and uh, I've got interesting some interesting stories with Mike. Uh, you know, Mike is, uh, you know, I think being away from Kiss for a couple of years now, I think has really de-stressed him. Um, and he's definitely uh, much more calm and reserved and, and outgoing than he used to be during his days with Kiss. When he was with Kiss, uh, you know, the, the, the reputation was as a collector, don't you dare approach him because he will bite your head off. I mean, he, he just really saw, he early on saw the, you know, and right from a text perspective, you get this. He saw the greed in the collecting side of things. 
because he was a collector himself. Now he doesn't care about them. But back then, when he started with the band on Crazy Nights Tour, you know, he was collecting himself. And he would start out trading with guys, and then that wasn't good enough. You know, then guys would say, well, yeah, you work for the band, you've got a whole bag of them, so now I want two or three for, for my and that just, you know, and you get that night after night after night. And then around 98, 99, eBay comes into picture. And now you've got people selling. And that just kind of, and that just kind of did it for him. So um, he was just a guy that you, you just never asked for a pick uh, unless you wanted a tongue lashing. And, um, well, I mean, that was the reputation. But, you know, here's the thing. The reality is he's, a, he's really a smart guy. Over time, we started out on a rough patch. I'll, I'll have to tell you that story. Um, he'll probably kill me for saying this. but um, So I, get, I, I got an email one day uh, from somebody who says, hey, I have these really rare picks, and you don't have them on your site. You know, give me your number. I'll call you. You know, let's discuss them. Okay. All right. I didn't know any better. So I said, here you go. Here's, here's my number. So it's about 11, 11.30 at night, phone rings, and, um, you know, they're on the West Coast, so it's only 8, 8.30 their time. I guess I weren't thinking about it. And I pick up, it's like, hi, this is uh, Mike Rush from KISS. You know who I am? I'm like, Mike Rush from KISS? Yeah, I know who you are. Now, keep in mind, I've only been on KISS Online for about a year, year and a half. So um, if that, at that point. So I'm like, and here's an active tech, right? I've only talked to some some past crew guys. Here's here's the guy, right? I mean, he's been with the band since <laughs> seven, and I was like so excited, and he just starts screaming <laughs> and fussing because I had put up these uh, Psycho Circus tech picks that I had learned about. Apparently, and I don't even know the full story on those. I've heard multiple versions, but the version I heard was. You know the people. <clears throat> the people at DeAndrea just wanted to do something nice for them because they were ordering so many freaking picks over the, over the, uh, over the reunion. You know that never-ending two-year tour, and which then folded into Psycho Circus, and they just wanted to do something nice. But I had also heard rumors that Gene and Paul were worried that they thought the text were making them to sell them, and they were going to get in trouble. So. You know, he thought, hey, you're going to get us all fired, and blah, blah, blah. It was horrible. So, I mean, that, I was freaked out. I, you know, I had to email Branvold and say, hey, I think we got to take those down. And he goes, no, 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 no. So he faxes Gene. <laughs> Gene. You know, we have these up. Is this okay? And Gene says, yeah, it's fine, blah, blah, blah. And, but Mike was still not happy. He was not happy about it. So... Um, anyway, so we agreed that we would leave them up, but any others in the future, I wouldn't put them up. And I withheld that, I upheld that agreement, and I would never put his his other picks up, even though I knew about them, and they were much harder to get because he does not give them out. And um, but I did know about them, but I I kept my word and I and, and I kept them off. But he, I did slowly. Uh, at least earn his respect in that he could tell what I was trying to do and, and when I would ask questions um, they were knowledgeable questions and I was asking stuff that he's like you know your average collector wouldn't know some of this stuff how do you know about this stuff 
So I think he respected the body of work. And so over the years, I was probably one of the few collectors that he would actually engage in. I mean, he would, t at least that's what he would tell me. He would send me and say, you know, I won't even, I get all these questions all the time. I, I just blow them off, but I will answer yours. And um, so I, I think I sort of earned his respect. And um, now he's, I think, again, I think some of it's just the tension of working for that band. I mean, um, you know, Gene and Paul are very demanding. They demand perfection, night in, night out. And that gets to be pretty stressful, I think. Oh, it, it, you can only imagine the sort of stress that these guys operate under. You know, when Gene or Paul do say something to the crew from stage, it isn't always an act. Um, you know, like laser pointers or, you know, some shtick that they're working into the show. They are the consummate professionals and show people, and they want everyone in that audience to be getting 100% the bang for their buck. But what it sounds like you managed to do with him, you established your legitimacy. You know, with the research and the work that you are doing on your side for your hobby. And right. that's respected, whether it's Gene or Paul or Tex or anyone. If you establish your professionalism and your 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 knowledge of your topic, that's always going to be respected more than, say, just the overriding passion. You know, if you if you're backing it up, then no doubt that that's going to become very respected by them. And there are some people who, you know, manage to interact with them on that level, you know, whether it's of Mike or Gene and Paul or whomever uh, close to the organization. So you get a lot out of that before. I, I want to talk a little bit more about Kiss Online, but I do want to ask you one question, you know, yeah. while, while we're early into this episode. What was the first guitar pick that you ever obtained? You know, and what was what was that one that set you on this road? And then what was your first Kiss one, if that is not your first pick? The uh, well, let's see. I think the first one, the first two, and I don't honestly, I don't know, remember which came first, but um, Zebra yeah. was that band. I lo I love Zebra. I was trying to get them on the cruise so bad they were from New Orleans, right? Um, but I I caught a uh, after a show in the in the early 80s, I caught a, uh, uh, a bass pick from, from Randy, and, and I was so mad because it was a generic. I was so upset. Didn't say zero or have his name on it. I was so mad. But I kept it, and I stuck it away with my ticket stub. Um, and I think the first name or signature pick I ever got uh, would have been a Rick Nielsen. You know, he, those handfuls during Dream Police, and you know, you're anywhere, anywhere in the first 10 rows. It's almost impossible to walk away without getting a pick. So I think that was the first signature pick. There's nothing worse in concert than you actually get a pick, you flip it over, and it's a generic Herco. Or, you know, from from Gene. You know, one of those, you're like, ah, nuts. Yeah, yeah. Well, now now he has now he has signature Hercos. They have a signature on. Yeah. Think, yeah. There you go. That's that's one of them. Alex. Now, it, it's just yeah. interesting. Very, you guys know about the variations on the Hercos? I know nothing about Hercos other than all the generic ones I've had in my time from shows. Okay, so see where it says "Made in USA." Hopefully, you can see that. Okay. Yeah. yeah, not good enough to uh, boot. All right. Well, they uh, they accidentally put a semicolon after the A in USA, so then they had to redo the mold and do it with with a period. And the molds cost like seventeen grand to make, so ah. they just didn't throw out the old one. So almost all Hercos, both the generics and even the new jeans, you'll see both versions with the semicolon and the, and the period. 
Wow, that, that's pretty arcane to even notice that. I that's the level of detail that I stoop to. Yeah. So so do you have OCD? I uh, when it comes to guitar picks, I do. <laughs> I got my my first pick just because of doing it. Uh, I wrote Tommy Thayer nice. an email, and he had sent. I uh, just got this envelope, and then you know that, I, I feel that hit I feel, 2007. It was 2003. It's like right at the symphony, oh. right at the Kiss symphony, and I, I kind of regret myself because it just came in a white envelope, and and his return address was a stamp, but the handwriting it was handwritten for my address, and I don't know where the envelope went, but then I later like saw more of his handwriting. He handwrote <laughs> that envelope, and I'm like, son of a gun, I need to find the envelope. He wrote my name, like, like, <laughs> ah, who is that? And uh, so that was my first one, and then I did. I was shortly a uh, concert. I went to see Paul on the Live to Win tour, and right after Love Gun, he came over and handed me the pick, and yeah. I, but I had a meltdown. I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> I got to see Live to Win twice. I saw it in uh, the two shows that were filmed, uh, Detroit and Chicago. Yeah, That's so sweet. Okay, well, since you've both mentioned your first pick, uh, what was mine? Mine, I believe, was Farewell Tall. Um, and it would have been Marysville because we were front row there. And at the end of the show, on the ground were Peter Chris picks. <laughs> so I picked, I picked a cup a couple because sure. all, because obviously no one wanted them. <laughs> I'm like, you know, well, I, I, I you knew they were there, right? Peter would come out when he, to sing, you know, to sing Beth sing his encore, and he'd throw roses to the girls and throw a handful of picks. Well, nobody knew he was doing it. Yep, and you know. That was the only way I got a pick, so I I was really thrilled. I I don't remember which one. It, it might have been the one with like the fist or something on the back. I don't, so oh, it was it it wasn't it wasn't a fist. It was a finger. finger. Okay, it was, so, it was five finger salute. So that 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 was my first pick, and I I've had a had a few through my time. The only ones I still have around, I've actually got Kiss Online, you know, but mine are all played. If I have a pick, it usually ends up being used on my guitar. Um, apart from the most recent uh, Freedom to Rock ones, which uh, you know are still sitting up in a in a photo frame, so uh, that was my first. Alex, you had a question. You can't, you can't, you can't use the band pick. Well, uh, interesting thing. If you want to know the history on the uh, the finger pick, yeah. Peter didn't Peter didn't make those. If you remember on that tour, Ted Nugent was opening. Nugent had a pick like that. Peter thought it was kind of funny, so they went and made them for him. But I think he very quickly realized, hmm, this probably isn't a good image. It says kiss on one side and a middle finger on the other. That's probably not putting the band in the best image. And he put a, he put a halt to that and went on to other designs. But anyway, it wasn't something that Peter came up with. It was Nugent's guys that came up with it. And then his guys thought, oh, well, we'll make some of those, Peter, because he thought it was funny. But I think he realized. Was that, that the first? Was that the first drummer pick for the band? Because mm. Eric didn't have Eric Carlin didn't have picks to the Rockology, right? Right. Well, now of course those were made posthumously, yeah. so yeah, of course. he didn't make those. Um, yeah, I think I think reunion reunion tour reunion tour would have been the first picks. Mm. Peter had picks on the reunion. So I guess I you know because I've I've loved getting the story of of what got you into the picks, and I guess you know because. Hopefully we'll get some education for for some of the fans that listen. But because um, I know I've seen, um, I wish I had it. I've seen the, the picks. Could you send me one? Because we traded. I actually remember trading you one of these red picks. 
couple of years ago when Ace Freddy did his first few shows when he came back in 07, 08, and you sent me one from New Jersey and Orange, Ace Freddy pick for one of the red ones. Um, I wish I still had the case for it because I put it in a little sleeve. Um, but what size? I know you used the coin holders. As Was it a half dollar size that you used or the dollar size? I don't use like, coin holders. Nope, nope. I'm anti-coin holders. the cardboard? Oh, I may have... I may, Sometimes when people ship to me, they'll send them in them. So if I'm mailing them out just to keep the pick protected, I'll stick it in there and, and mail it back out. But uh, I so couldn't tell you what best, to, What's your best method then for storing, I guess, for those who are kind of collecting picks and stuff? What's your best method that you... Well, that, uh, that's a, a common question. So right for me, you have to understand my purposes are different in that Right. I'm trying to for me, it's not about the collection. Right. For me, it's about trying to document a history. And so I was constantly having to I have to constantly go pull mine out. I would get all kinds of emails. Is this real? Is this fake? Or I may have a variation uh, from the old one. So like, you know, especially when Reunion came out and they had all these different um hollow foils and you know and i'd have to say oh is that this one or this one so i have to constantly access um you know people wanted to photograph them for books magazines and all kinds of crap so mine's a, my usage is a little bit different i use sort of tackle boxes and dividers and i have a different system than than most here's the thing old celluloid and um if you can ever find this book i don't know if it's still in print called Picks by Will Hoover, came out in 95, talks about all the history, it's a great book, talks all about the history of plectrums from the beginning of time. But it talks about celluloid, which is the plastic that is most commonly used, especially used in those early 70s, early 80s. And celluloid is a very, very unstable plastic. It has camphor in it, and it has nitroglycerin, which is, you know, is what's used to make dynamite. So um, it's just an unstable compound to begin with. So if you expose it to high-intensity light, extreme heat, or you cut off air circulation, it will smother itself and set off a chemical reaction. So I don't like to put them in coin holders because you're trapping air, and then people are sticking them in vinyl sleeves in a book, closing the book, and then sticking the book somewhere. And I just, in my opinion, closing off four levels of air like that is just not at all healthy. So for me, I keep mine loose in a tackle box. I mean, the best way to put them is get yourself a wooden box, make a felt line box, a cigar box, you know, something like that, uh, a plastic tackle box, anything like that to me is, is preferable than coin holders. Now look. Other guys will tell you they've used coin holders for 30 years and never had a problem. And that may be true. But I can show you hundreds of photos that people have emailed where they pulled their book out of their basement where it's just been sitting in a cool, dry place for 20 years. They open the book and boom, you know, in the coin holder, the pick is just shredded into powder. Okay, that's great. I, I think I might want to take that Ace Frehley pre-kiss pick out of that uh, picture frame up there and uh, get it get it into some air. <laughs> yeah. And, and in more sad news, Kiss FAQ MSA Julian is in the hospital for an explosion <laughs> in his house. <laughs> 
But that's three. Well, I think you I, sent me a tortoise pick. I think you sent me a photo of that. Yeah, that that I got from Bill Bartell, who uh, got it from Ace's mother way back when. So, uh, nice. you know, whether or not it actually has the providence of being played by Ace uh, pre-kiss, it certainly came from Ace's mother, and you know, Bill was a pretty big collector. Uh, while he was alive, so uh, you know, who knows? It's still got a good story attached to it. So, awesome. Well, and I know you know we are obviously there's so many picks to go through. Uh, we yeah. have enough time to go through that, but yeah. of course, yeah, I definitely want to recommend uh, checking out Ken's stuff. But we talked a little earlier, and Ken talked about, well, at least with me, uh, messaging through Facebook um, about the Asylum Arrow that there was was that a brown pick that was an elusive yeah. brown pick that even Ken was telling me that everybody said you're not going to find it it never existed and yet Ken through all the hard work and dedication which is what I found out through daddy uh, through you know through history and through uh, through collecting you got to sometimes you got to work really hard and, and get through all the no's that people tell you and so Ken you know show us that story about finding that pick yeah, you know, and, that, and that's the thing, right? People don't see the research behind behind the site. So I had learned about the Brown Asylum picks probably in the early 90s. And I remembered seeing uh, a fanzine back in the day that had photos, and you could see them in the photos. But I had somehow, in moving with college, I mean, somehow I had lost the magazine. So I no longer had the photographic proof, but I couldn't unsee what I had already, what I knew. And so, um, funny story. So 98, 99, somewhere in there, uh, Bruce was with Union at uh, one of Keith's indie expos. And uh, I, I didn't know Bruce at that at that point. So, uh, but I started asking him, over, the overzealous pick guy. And uh, so I started asking questions, and I, of course, I'd ask him about the Brown Asylum. And he said, no, there were no Brown Asylums. We had, you know, these five colors don't, don't exist. And Keith was standing right there. And literally anything controversial that came up, like the next 15 years, Keith's answer always to me was, yeah, right, just like the Brown Asylums that don't exist. <laughs> so... Over time, like, I knew they existed, right? I, I don't ask questions about stuff unless I have uh, done my research. No, I'm chasing after, right? Because otherwise it's a waste of my time. So slowly, bit by bit, I'd actually gotten a hold of a Bruce pick. And I had narrowed it down to the, these brown picks were only used for two or three shows in and around the Chicago area. Hmm. Yeah. I literally limited it down to the, I mean, I even found the photographer that took the photos for the magazine. Wow. So, yeah. And, and they went to the Chicago show. So that's how I know it shows. That it was and, uh, and then I was in St. Louis visiting a friend of mine and he spills out a, a whole cup of guitar picks on, on his uh, pinball machine, on his 78 Kiss Valley pinball machine. He goes, he goes, I know there's nothing in here you need, but take a look anyway. And I'm sifting through, and oh my God, there's a brown gene asylum. I was freaking out. He's like, "Why? You need that one?" I was like, "Yes, I need that one." I go, "But he goes, well, just take it." He's like, "You don't understand. This is like a really valuable pick." He goes, "Take it." So when I got home, of course, I put together a really nice package and, and mailed them, mailed it to him of some other pretty rare stuff to, for my own conscience, you know. Yeah. So now I had the two. 
and now I just needed the Paul. And I had seen a couple of them over over the years. Uh, they just somehow eluded me, and uh, and one came up recently for bid on eBay, and and I was able to to, to snipe it and snag it and and complete the set. And no, and it's funny. No sooner did I complete the set, I found the photos. So I have all these photos of Gene with a nice white base, BC Rich white base. So with clear as day, brown asylum pics with gold print. So now I have the proof, right? So I, of course, blast an email with the photos to, to Keith and Bruce. And I'm like, well, look who's laughing now. And by the way, I completed my set. So thank God I didn't take no for an answer. And here's the thing. I mean, I even talked to the you know, the text from the tour. And they said the same thing. Brown picks didn't exist. I don't have any brown picks. I ordered them. They don't exist. Well, the photos don't lie. I mean, I saw the photos pre-internet. They couldn't have been doctored. They were published in a magazine. And uh, so anyway, they did exist. They were used for a couple of shows in the Chicago area. Super rare. And um, I only know of one other uh, complete with all six colors. Wow, that's pretty sweet. And now, as though, so obviously, I always want to feel like that might have been the holy grail for you at that time. Is is there at a, that time it was at yeah. that time? Is there a holy grail pick out there? I mean, because I honestly, I mean, seriously, the sight you have is so uh, intense with everything. Yeah. Is there a holy grail that that you've been looking for now? Um, there, there is, but. Um, and I'm not going to get into detail on it. Because one of the things I've learned over time is if I show that, people yep. use it as leverage. Yep. But there, there's there's a really rare prototype out there that literally nobody knows about. And if I could ever get a hold of it, and I've seen one, and I've verified it through other sources. right? I double, triple verify everything. So I know it's legitimate, and I have photos of it. And if I ever find one, it'll it'll blow people's minds. So that that's the holy grail. But my understanding is only about a half dozen were made, and I'll likely never see it. But as far as the history goes, no, not you know. At, at this point, there are no more holy grails for me because um, I believe through the end of 2014, I think I now have the only 100% complete collection in the world. I need five from 2015. I'm complete 2016, and now I have to, you know, go chase all the 2017 stuff. Um, and I could go and, you know, buy the the five. But for me, I have made the most awesome friends doing this over the 20 years. So, you know, I always describe it as my labor of love. And um, so I would much rather trade for them because. That's how you meet people and make new friends. And then um, if you find somebody else that's in the hobby and also looking for stuff, right? keep an eye on what each other's looking for, and then you've got more eyes because now you've got somebody else looking. I mean, as, as Alex said earlier, hey, we did, a, we did a trade on some ace pick back in 708. Yeah, right? 10 years ago. Uh, right, 10 years ago. Now here we are, right? He still remembers, hey. We did, we did a trade, and here we are. I think that's, I think that's twenty exciting things, and it, you know, it's it's funny because I think some people might not, you know, be in the picks or whatever, because everybody's got the niche. Everybody has a niche of what yeah. they collect, 
Um, and I think the guitar picks, though, I think they're one of the fun souvenirs you can get from a show. I mean, I remember when I saw Ace the second time, and why I was able to do a trade because his bass player uh, handed me a handful of picks. Was, he, you know, he was like, he signed my ticket, and the other guy is uh, it was Anthony Esposito, and, oh, yeah. and I've got a couple of his picks, um, and and you know they all signed it, but Ace kind of do any signing, but he hands me like a handful of guitar picks and stuff, and I remember like the people around me, were, you know, they're just kind of already amazed I knew who the guy in the band was, and then they're like, what do you give you? And I'm like, oh, just a couple picks. <laughs> I'm like, I'm gonna tell you, yeah. he gave me a handful of them and stuff. Yeah. And, Right. Well, you know, here's the thing. I mean, right. So people know for me, right. It's not about like, I don't sell picks. I mean, uh, the curse that I talked about kiss online, you know, I'd get all these emails. Hey, send me a pick, send me a pick. What people don't realize is I would mail picks out of my own collection. You know, I'd get a, a letter from whatever, some teenage girl in Greece. I love Paul Stanley. They haven't, they never ever played here. And I'd mail her a pick out of my collection. I mean, if I had a nickel, for every pick I gave away, you know, I'd be on the cruise every year. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and giving away a pick, you know, 2004 Rock of the Nation tour, you know, it was, you know, here are picks. You know, I picked them up, and there's a kid. Give the kid a pick. I mean, it, it, it was just one of those things, I guess, as maybe an older fan that you feel you're passing it on to the next generation or you're just, you know, uh, playing it forward with a good with, with a good turn for someone, whether they're a fan. But, you know, Kiss kiss Online, let's get let's go back there a little bit to, you know, when did you bring the site out of Kiss Online and was it, you know, I, I had asked to take well, the FAQ stuff out because I, I just felt I needed to have a separate identity. It was uh, kind. It was basically ego. It was nothing to do with Mike or what right. or anything he had done because he'd always been very supportive of me and what I was trying to do. Um, but I wanted, you know, to have the KissFAQ.com and just have it all for myself. And even though, you know, I, I got a benefit out of being part of Kiss Online, but uh, with, with your site, you know, what was kind of yeah. the, the story with that? Well, mine, was, mine was different, and, and this will this will probably jog your memory, Julian. Um, well, what happened for mine was, you know, when Mike left Kiss Online, and they were in the interim, and, you know, then they eventually hired Keith, you know, there was a void in there for a period of time. And when Keith came in, you have to remember at that time, uh, Eric had now been seen in the Catman makeup, right? And now they were going to try and bring Tommy in. And so I think the challenge that, that when they hired Keith, I think the challenge was, Keith, what we need you to do is we need you to focus on the band today and moving forward. And so... There was a pretty conscious effort. They decided to redesign and rebrand the whole site, and they changed the code again from whatever it was, PHP to CSS, style sheet. And I didn't know any of that. And everything was in, in flux, and they didn't have the resources to, to do the conversion for me. And Keith was focused on the rebranding and, and you know, figuring out how they're going to generate sales, go forward, and and get people to buy into the you know the new kiss and so pretty much one day they just relaunched the site and all those old features were just gone yep you know, there was a lot of them that just weren't maintained girls of kiss and kiss rooms and tribute bands that people had started and just let go by the wayside for me i mean i'm constantly editing mine i mean i don't know how often you 
you you look at the stats on 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 Kissback, but I mean I'm constantly editing and tweaking and and uh, and working and and I was, but all of a sudden it was just gone. So um, it is what it is, and so at that point I had to decide, okay, do I just you know, I had everything backed up, so, so I had to decide, do I want to just publish this someplace else, or do I just want to go offline? And I started getting floods of emails from webmasters who all wanted it. Collectors were freaking out because that's their that's their Bible, that, as they call it. And so um, Julian was one of the people that reached out. And, of course, obviously, Julian, I knew you from through Kiss Online, right, managing all the message boards for all those years. And... And I just felt that, well, look, here's a whole site dedicated to, the, as, a, as a reference site, it's dedicated to the history. You want to know tour dates, who played on what, who recorded what, who produced what? You go to Kissback, right? That's, that's what it is. So I just figured it just made the most sense to be part of Kiss FAQ because that's really what I was trying to do is just trying to document something historically. Yeah, and from my point of view, all I was trying to do was, you know, I've done it for a couple of other websites who have subdomains at the KISS FAQ, and it was it was more that I'm paying for hosting anyway. All I had to do with you was say, well, here's the subdomain, here's your FTP account. I, I think I worked with you on the design, getting it, because I'm a pure HTML guy still. I do not do CSS very well. I am too. You know, I, I do do PHP now, but that's very much HTML-based PHP. I'm just using right. a few commands here and there to import pages, mainly ads. So I'm a very rudimentary uh, Neanderthal when it comes to web design. I'm not using all the tools that Kiss Online was using. So we, I, I remember we worked together. It probably took a couple of weeks to come up with a, a basic design, and I think that's still in play today so you it know is. it's like can here you go go forth and prosper and you know i i'm able to say and i i do need to update it um you know and, and as we spoke about before we, we started this uh the show today you know that you're not heavily advertised are you uh, no but you know what is it, it's interesting google kiss picks and it's the one thing that comes up i mean um, the one thing is, you know, having done it for so long and having literally uncovered all the stones and, you know, now people take it as gospel. But there's a lot of stuff in there that uh, we can talk about some of that. I know one of them is is the, uh, the Pastor music picks that I know Alex wants to get to um, were pretty controversial at the time. And anyway, but nowadays people accept it because I've have vindication i've been able to prove these things like the brown asylums and so um the brown asylums i mean that just that sounds like something i gotta try and collect a set of now forget it don't it don't it, i'll see it i'll tell you what i'll see you in about 30 years it's, <laughs> hey, it's, about, it, it's an asylum challenge what better for the guy who got into the band of that album the brown so, asylums now, you know but now i've been doing it for so long that i'm i'm fairly established people know what i'm about and so I've developed a lot of friends, uh, unfortunately not within, unfortunately not within the Kissinger circle, but in other bands. And you know, so I get invited to a lot of shows, and they just like they just know my collecting habits. I don't even have to ask anymore. Oh, hold on, let me get it for you. And they just, I just show them, they just hand it to me. So let's get this out of the way so we can have fun and, and chat. 
Alex, which is, is kind of nice. Before I let Alex uh, ask you about the best story uh, picks and kind of the beginning of Kiss pick pickology, I do want to ask you a, a question that relates to. Obviously, Tom Shannon's about to publish his Kiss My Wax book, which is uh, his work for many years on cataloging every variation of various albums. Um, in recent years, I'm going to show up for people watching the show. Kiss Army Spain put together a 12-inch singles book. Kiss Army Spain, again, cassettes book. Um, what's the likelihood or possibility of you doing a reference book, a physical print book? Would you be interested in that sort of challenge? Would it be something that you think would be worthwhile doing for collectors to be able to sit on their toilets and look, oh, there's the brown asylum push? Um, you know, would You're you talking be... to me or to Alex? No, to you. I, I mean, do you, do you <laughs> I, have an interest in doing a print book now that you see collectors I, I, doing all these other sorts of books? Well, I would love to. Um, I actually had started one. Um, if you guys, do you guys remember the? Uh, do you guys remember Kiss Quarterly? Yep. The official Kiss magazine. So, issue five. See, I brought props. <laughs> If you go right behind the uh, the poster, I had done uh, a whole article. So, find yourself number five. Uh, unfortunately, it was interesting that um, they did some editor's proof, so it's kind of grain. It came out grainy, and and I noticed somewhere one of the one of the photo titles got slammed in the middle of a paragraph someplace, which is kind of weird. But I had done a whole expose, and then I had done a follow-up article i think it's i think i got like eight to ten pages so you know the thing is it's photo intensive yep i mean so anyway i did this and then i had written a second one on the drumsticks and that was going to be in the next issue but that's when they went out of business so um and and it was interesting because the feedback from the editor because paul and gene reviewed everything that went into the magazine so on the picks articles Gene's feedback was, and I quote, I'll never forget it. I don't care about any of this stuff, and I don't think anybody else will. <laughs> wow. I was, I was shattered. But, but, uh, but Warren, who's the publisher, said, well, we're going to do it anyway. And then I did one on the drumsticks, and the feedback from Paul was, oh, this is very interesting. And I was like, oh, here we go again. Like, interesting. <laughs> No, no, no. He truly meant it in a good way. He really enjoyed the article. I mean, so it, but that was going to be slated. So at the time, I figured, well, I had already roughed out some stuff at that point. And so I had started to actually put a book together. And I had a good 50 to 60 pages written. And um, the hard part was, my, my thought process was, I want to show the pics, but then I want to show photos on the mic stand, you know, so people can see them in concert. You know what I mean? Not just the pics themselves. I wanted, so now you got to go, how do you get those and photo releases and, you know, and how would I pay for that? And it just, I guess my vision is to do it right would have to be full color and we would need to be a coffee table style book, right? Photo style book. And I just figured it's going to be way too expensive to print and I just didn't know what the audience would be. So definitely open to it. Um, interestingly enough, I was 
I had it all backed up on a, a secondary hard drive, and I was reformatting a new uh, master drive. Back then, didn't know that the, the ECF drive, that there's a separate setting if you want to specifically code it as a slave drive. So when I went to format my new drive, uh. computer recognized the old one, and zoop, bye-bye book. I, I, I was in tears. I got... So I got all kinds of software to see if I could recover it, and I couldn't. So yeah. I never went back and I, I never went back and rewrote it. But um, you know, I've got it all in my head. I, yeah, I would. I mean, I would if there was if there was interest and in, and uh, could find a publishing outlet. Sure, I'd be interested. Well, in I, I say if Kiss Army Spain could put out an 80-page full-color book on Spanish cassettes, <laughs> that. Uh, you know, collectors of picks and sticks uh, would certainly probably be uh, be interested. Now, obviously, there are the feasibility issues. Alex, let's let's go yep. back in, yeah. in time and talk about Pastore and the beginnings of Kiss's picks. Yeah, definitely. Wanna, I think it'd be a great story to kind of finish up everything. I know we're clocking in just a little over an hour, but yeah, I know that the Pastore picks, as, as Julian says, I'd love to hear a little bit about them though, because they're kind of the beginning of the uh, the Kiss picks. They are, and you know it's interesting. Um, I'm going to pull out those uh, the Gary Con again. You know when he first released his fanzine, you know all he had was the gene. He didn't have the the past stories there. So I had heard about the past stories. Um, one of the one of the characters who's a, a great friend now that I had run into in my research is a, a legend in the. Uh, sound industry named night bob yeah so, and night bob has worked on and off do mixing ace freely from the 80s he did all the uh monsters of rock kiss crazy nights uh shows he's worked with everybody in the industry i mean just legend and he is a walking encyclopedia you can he remembers every show that he's ever worked at or been to and you can show him a photo from 35 years ago. He'll tell you what he ate for breakfast and what he was wearing and what happened to the show. I mean, just massive encyclopedia. And um, so uh, I asked him because he was from originally northern New Jersey and and knows everybody and is a ge big gearhead. So I started asking him. He goes, oh, he goes, oh, yeah, I've known the Pastore family for a really long time. He goes... Those picks, he said, those picks definitely exist. I've seen the original artwork. He said, the guy you want to talk to, he said, get in touch with Richie Rano from Star. <laughs> yep. Because Stars was managed by a coin on the same label as Kiss, and he's also from New Jersey, and he also knows the pest stores, and he was around back then. So he put me in touch with Richie, and uh, so... Rich and I started talking. So here's the story behind them. And we don't know all of it. I mean, because just nobody remembers. But here's the deal. What we do know is um, Pastor was trying to outfit big bands, right? They wanted to do sales. So um, Richie was, he knew uh, Dave Pastor, who's the owner of the store, since about 73 from his first band called The Stories. Around 70. <laughs> Around 75, he joined a band called Fallen Angel, which morphed into Stars, which 
was being managed by Rocksteady, which was uh, Bilicoin, Joan Biowich's company. So they're now being managed by a coin. He took Sean Delaney one day into Pestor Music Store. In, it's in um, Union City, New Jersey, I think it is. And they bought a bunch of gear. Sean bought a bunch of gear for Kiss. And so they said, here, have some picks. Pastor's a pretty smart guy. Hey, if we're paying for him, I better put my name on him. And, oh, by the way, that's a tax write-off because it's advertising expense. <laughs> and, you know, there are other bands. I mean, you know, he gave, obviously he gave Richie some, so I have a star's pick of, of Richie's with, with Pastor. And I've seen Nugent's and Blue Oyster Cults. And, you know, they were trying to do everybody back then. They wanted to be like a big major national uh, tour outfitter. And so anyway, so... That's where that's where they came from. Now the big mystery is, why doesn't jeans have that? I've never seen one with jeans, and to this day don't know, don't know the answer to it. My gut tells me is even back then Gene was playing these Hercos, and my gut tells me they thought, well, Gene doesn't need them. That's one possibility. And then after thought they said, well, gee, how do we leave Gene out? We better order him some extra. And if the band's paying for him, they're not gonna advertised for Pastor. That's one possibility. One might be, Dean said, I'm not advertising for you if you don't pay me. That's a possibility. Um, no, don't, don't really know why Jeans doesn't have it on there. I've, I'm yet to get anybody that remembers. I've asked and asked. Don't know. But I've never seen one. And I, I'm sorry, I'm distracted right now. I'm just looking through a receipt book from 1973 because I do remember seeing an order for a couple hundred picks, um, and I'm just trying to find out what store it was. So, uh, Alex, continue it's on. 70, with, with, 70, no, it's you know, 73. No, 75? no, this is definitely uh, before the first album. They they ordered a bulk order. I think it was 200 picks before going into the studio. They would have been custom picks at that point. But uh, it, it's oh, just gener- there would have been generic. Yeah, they would have been for recording the album. So you know, not to throw away in in, in shows because they didn't have anything scheduled at that time. So it, it's just more. I want to see where they bought the farm to see if it was uh, you know. I'd be neat. I'd love to see it. Yeah. yeah, I'll see if I can but, find it while Alex asks the next question. I only say you know, Ken. We're kind of obviously wrapping up and and so forth. You know, and I can't thank you again for coming on. Is there um is there a favorite pick though that, that you have that you just thought you know I like the design or, or or whatnot the color combination to it at all or I I think um from like I know from like I like I'll say like I know for myself because I've got a couple of the kiss some kiss crease picks from and I just like I did not like I don't like the orange color I almost kind of feel like I like Paul to have a purple pick or you know. Tommy having blue on a pick, or I saw like Eric Singer has the Lakers pick, and I'm like, eh. you know, at least yeah. for me, I'm like, eh, not crazy for that. You know, those they're like one that you thought like I like that pick, that looks good. That's uh, there's there's two I guess that, that come come to mind if you know if I had to pick a favorite, which I try not to do, but um, the ones from Japan from about 2015, I, I call it the the Mount Fuji faces. It's got the the faces down the side and the Mount Fuji, it's just absolutely work of art. I, I, I love that one. And then my other favorite was um, when they played Sturgis, I want to say 2008 maybe. I don't know. I'll have to look it up on the site. But 
they did the Kiss logo, sort of an Evil Knievel design with all the stars in, in the logo. And I'm a huge Evil Knievel fan. So to me, just because it's sort of the mixture of Kiss and Evil, Evil Knievel, I would say would be my favorites there. On the stick side of things, probably where I have more of my prize possession. So, um, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but when did you really start getting into the sticks in addition to the picks? Because obviously we're talking about picks and sticks here today. You yeah. Know, and and, and you, your, your basis is in the picks. When did sticks, uh, I mean, you did mention Cleveland and the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame seeing that design. But when did you get into the, the KISS stuff? And, uh, you know, what, what, are, what are some of your favorites there? As soon as I, as soon as I started the picks, I mean, I probably started on the sticks the following year, and of course, right, I'm a glutton for punishment, right? I can't have one stick; I got to have the pair. So I spent a lot of time trying to match them up. Um, I have I have some stuff in my collection I just have no business having. You know, the movie Detroit Detroit Rock City where they throw the drumstick out in the air, you know, yeah. jam catches just the stick. Like I have the movie prop sticks. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, and when Peter when Peter um, re-signed with Promark after his ahead deal wound down, and he re-signed with Promark in '06, I'd become real friendly with the, the Promark guys, and um, the initial prototype that they did that never got released to the public, they ended up doing something completely different. But I have a, a pair of those. I have a pair of the. Uh, Vader tried to get him during the farewell tour, and I have a pair of those prototypes. And then when they were, when Promark was trying to, to sign him, they sent him a whole batch of sticks, different sizes, weights, thicknesses, tips, yep. and said, play these, try them out, send us back whatever, whichever ones you like, you know. And but they were just, they're completely just bare, right? They're just bare wood. There's no printing on them. But he mailed them back, and my friend said, you know what? You got to have one of these. I'm keeping one and you get one. So, like, I had the actual stick that he played and said, here, this is this, this is what I want you to make me for my endorsement. I just have crazy stuff that I have no business having. But I've earned a reputation. They know that I treasure the stuff. I'm not out to make a buck. I don't sell it. I've never sold a pick in my life. I'll just give them away. I mean, I, I, and I have. And, and I think that's part of the success is, you know, nowadays – it's a lot easier for me today than it was back then because now that I'm sort of established and people know my reputation and the work that I've been and how close I am to complete now, um, you know, now we've got what we call what I call the friends of the program. Now I've got people that now it's everybody's site. Like the collectors out there, everybody wants to see it completed and see it done. You know, Paul talked about, you know, the excitement of the Brown Asylum. Like, everybody knew that was my holy grail that I had been looking for for almost 15 years. It was like the one pick that kept me from being complete. And so, like, when I got that, I mean, I can't tell you the phone calls, the texts, the emails of congratulations. Like, the whole world, like, the whole collecting world is excited. And so I have, you know, friends now that, you know, as they go to shows and, you know, they pick up, hey, I got some extras. I'm going to send these off to Ken because they're the new stuff, and I know he won't have that. And, um, you know, and then there's other guys that have gotten smart and said, hey, you know, the newer stuff now, you can go buy that through their licensee. So let me go find the ones Ken doesn't have. I'll buy those, and then I can trade for his other stuff because he trades pretty generously. He'll sometimes trade 
He's an idiot. He'll send me two or three for my one. But, you know, that's just, to me, it's just a karma thing. I'm so blessed to have the friendships that I've developed over, over the years and the, the fellow fans and, you know, that, um, you know, I just feel it's sort of an obligation to sort of pay back. So anytime I can do that, I do. And sometimes I don't tell people. One of my favorite things to do is what I call blind packages. I'll just put something in the mail and address it, right? Because someone sends me something like I'm keeping every envelope because I need I, I have their return address, and I'll sometimes I'll just mail something off unannounced. And think about how cool that is. You have a crappy day, you come home, and all of a sudden there's an envelope in the mail, and you open it up, and whoa, it's yeah. kiss pics in here. How cool, right? Yeah. I mean, just make somebody's day. The the waves of karma, the little changes that you can you can make in life just by making someone happy. You know, we're gonna definitely have to have you back on the show. And what I what I would like people to do out there, obviously, we have not covered a lot of ground today. You know, we we've talked about the history, the rich, we, the we, rich history. Yeah. I've got great I've got great like the research behind the scenes stories that we didn't get to talk yeah, about. Yeah, and but. we have barely scratched the surface. I did find the receipt, by the way. And, oh, cool. uh, I'll just I'll just read you the details on it. It's uh, Terminal Music in uh, New York City. Ace Frehley uh, bought one gross of white medium picks October the 10th, 1973. Uh, and of course, everyone knows what a gross is. And one set of uh, Ernie Ball strings. So uh, for wow. a, a, a grand total of six dollars and seventy cents. I just you know when you when you find stuff like that. You know, obviously they're not going to be custom picks. That's a bag of workman picks, just like any of us who play guitar have a stack of them, just easy to hand for when one doesn't feel right, grab the next one. And uh, when you're about to go and record your debut album, uh, you're going to need a few. So, you know, that, that that's one of the really cool stories. And just getting back to another one of your comments, you know, I think every serious collector out there doesn't want to hoard knowledge. That if they've got a pick that they've come up uh, from a particular situation that's not on your side, usually they will want to share. There are very few people are going to sit there going, you know, I've got this and you don't and up yours and all that. You know, it, it, it's the collector community is a wonderful thing most of the time. Agreed. Uh, obviously, we, we all know about some of the frustrations that do come with it in very, very rare cases. But there are people who are just so willing to share knowledge, to send you something, to offer, to help buttress the, the website. And I, I do want to say again that you can find Ken's website at picks.kissfaq.com. It's there. It's been there for many years. It is there. It like some other parts of the site are kind of forgotten nether regions of the website. Have you thought about buying a custom domain and linking it? And you know, is there kisspicksandsticks.com? You know, on, on the horizon for you maybe. Uh, I ha I haven't really. I mean, you know, here's the thing, right? I don't. I'm not selling anything. My goal was to document a history, and um, you know, and to get it into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Well, you know, unfortunately, the mission has changed because, um, first of all, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is so big now that now they don't accept fan accept uh, fan uh, presentations. So that's out. And the other thing was, in one of my conversations with Eric Carr's sister, she shared with me because she had put Eric's uh, drum kit on display there. And uh, they lost some stuff. They lost some hardware. And uh, it 
they eventually, I believe she got it all back eventually, but it took them several months. And I'm thinking, if you're losing pieces of a hunky metal drum kit, like, you know, are, are my picks going to disappear? So, you know, so the mission at that point had, had changed. And for me, it's really about documenting the history and, and, and sharing that. It's not about the picks themselves or my collection. So I'm not really out there advertising it for anything. There's nothing in it for me from from that perspective. For me, I think what's going to happen is, you know, there are some guys that get it right away. Like Bruce, uh, for example, he loves it. He has me do a, a separate section specific to him on his website. And he loves to sit and talk picks with me and Whenever he's got anything new, he makes sure I have it. And sometimes he'll even ask me, what do you think about these colors? Or I'm choosing between these designs. He doesn't always choose my opinion, but he asks it, which is kind of cool to be asked. Um, and then there's other guys like, you know, Eric Singer, where his webmaster has asked me to do a section for him. And I do my best, but Eric, you know, it's just not his thing. And he's not going to go out of his way to to help. Me. And, it's, and it's hard. You know, I got to try and find fans in... Europe and Japan and Australia, who's going to, or Canada, who's going to a show, can you go to the merch booth and, and get me a set of sticks? Always, always a struggle. It's always it, a struggle. Yeah, it's, it is. It, it really, it really is. It's, it's, uh, it's a, it's a, and the thing is, right, because at this point, it's like I'm so close, right? Don't want to, don't want to miss anything. Yeah. yeah. Well, Ken, I can't, I can't thank you enough for coming on, like Julian said got to have you on again uh even just to hear some more of the pick stories and of course uh even some of the other episodes we've done it'd probably be great to get some of your opinions i don't know if, how many other kiss faq episodes you've watched but you've well, been definitely you've definitely been a, a wealth of knowledge i've enjoyed it i feel like julian's enjoyed it i love seeing that receipt that you found julian that's always that's a fun cool. thing with talking with you guys and you know just thank you again for coming on and, and sharing sharing your knowledge with us and, and sharing it with us and uh, we look forward to having you on again. Yeah, absolutely, well, Kent. I want to echo the, the the appreciation. And also, just give a shout-out to everyone out there. You know, Ken is a wealth of knowledge. If you've got any specific questions that maybe, you know, uh, he'll be able to answer about collecting, you know, do send us a PM. Um, you know, Ken, uh, Ken is on the website. Alex is on the website. You know, and uh, we'd love to have you back on and put some of these questions to you. And also to go some uh, go through some more of the areas that you particularly enjoy in in the uh, in the collecting and in the history of the the. The picks and sticks with kiss so uh thank you very much for your time today and we will have you back you know hopefully very soon to have some more of this discussion so thank you all for listening and we will see you on the next episode thank you guys it was a blast love to do it again thanks ken thank you for spending time listening to the kiss FAQ podcast today all sales are final there are no refunds if you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the KISS FAQ message board and discuss the topic we've broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again.